welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I'm Natalie Schaefer. I'm David Bax. David! <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, Tyler Smith is on assignment. <laughs> and that was, I always, whenever Tyler's not here, I always ask the, try to get the guest to do that. I think, I might be, I'm a little biased, but I think you're the best. That's the best I've ever <laughs> I have some big shoes to fill. Um, Natalie, this is so exciting. Yeah. You've never been on the podcast before. Never. For some reason. Yeah. Well, for good reason. <laughs> we, we, um, but uh, we, we have um, fun stuff to talk about today. This is not just an elaborate... Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Shill for our podcast, which is called The One Where I Met Your Mother, where you and I watch episodes of Friends and How I Met Your Mother back to back and compare and contrast and break them down. That's... That's our other podcast. Yes. But that's, we're not here to show nope. for that, but you can find that at com or subscribe to it in your normal podcast catcher app. So that's not what we're here to talk about. Now, we're here to talk about uh, something else, something very fun. Uh, but first, I want to tell the listeners about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. I don't know if you do. Uh, Natalie, I know you had a pair at one point. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, today, I was listening to... This we uh, uh, a curveball. I've said the past couple of weeks that like I always feel weird about recommending hip-hop because like i like hip-hop but i don't know it that well mm-hmm. i'm going even further into something that i like but don't know that well jazz Ooh. I was listening to a couple of new jazz albums uh but i'll specifically call out uh pianist david beruzzi his new album is called echoes it's very pretty sort of classical uh jazz and then i don't much to say about it because i literally just started wa- listening to it this afternoon but uh trumpeter bruce harris's new album which is called Soundview. those are just two of the many jazz albums i've been listening to today and you know what they sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Natalie? Natalie? Yes? Let's get into it, shall we? Yes. Again, I'm honored to be here, so thank you for having me. I hope this isn't filler episode <laughs> no it's uh it's, it's not and again this is not just an excuse for us to plug our podcast the one where i met your mother right um that's not what we're doing here no. um we have something fun to talk about first like we should say you've never been on the show before listeners might not know why it's a big deal you and i are married yes to each other yeah almost seven years now almost seven years coming mm-hmm. up on seven years yeah, yeah. getting that itch <laughs> just kidding uh yeah and it's very fun um that we're able to um we're going to have a seven year anniversary, like little trip. Yeah. Because we're coming out, we're out of the pandemic. I mean, we're, the pandemic's still going on people like, but we're out get, there. Get vaccinated we're, if you're not. Absolutely. But, um, that goes without saying. Uh, yeah. But like we're, uh, able, we're both vaccinated. We're able to do things. Um, 
and uh, we're going to go on a little trip for our, uh, to kick off the seven-year itch, right? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe to try and, like... Cut it off at the pa- head it off at the pass. Yeah, is what we're gonna yeah. try and do. Nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it in the bud. Yeah, yeah. nip it. <laughs> um, but uh, how how are you doing? I mean, I know, but uh, uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm I'm doing fairly well. I would say I'm kind of happy that you know things are getting a little bit better. We're definitely seeing friends, going out, you know, drinking and eating too much. But I think yeah, this is kind of part of it i think yeah you said that we're like people talked about like the quarantine 15 or whatever but you and i are in danger of putting on like Post, the post-covid yeah. 15 because like we're back at we've it we've been so rigid but now like it's like every lunch and dinner invitation drinks yeah. or whatever was like yeah yeah let's do it but part of that rigidity was spending lots of time at home which is a good segue i think into oh yeah that's a great segue right yeah we watched uh, we mostly watched tv but we watched Generally, we watched at least one movie a weekend that you picked. And people who listen to not only this podcast, but the BP Movie Journal episodes know that I talked about this over the course of the pandemic, that, that we had this ongoing sort of Natalie's Picks film series in which roughly once a week, usually on Fridays, not always, uh, you would pick a movie that... I, I, I want to like phrase this not like one of your favorites, no, but a movie that a I hadn't seen, right. or so, sometimes I hadn't seen it. Why? Well, we're, today we're just gonna be talking about we're, the ones that yes. I hadn't seen. You'd be picking a movie that I hadn't seen before that was significant to you in some that way, resonated in such a way, starting from childhood, but not necessarily exclusively childhood. Yeah, and some of these are much more recent. Not, or not much more, but more part of childhood. Part of my strategy was, you know, I wanted predictability. I wanted comfort. It was a way oh, right, to right. kind of self-soothe, you know, during this difficult time, you know? So it, was, it, it were things that... I just kind of wanted to tap back into for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of them, I think, were some blind spots for David. Yes, definitely. Um, and so, some, I'm like so glad that I saw some. I'm looking forward to telling the listeners how much I hate it. Several of these, I knew going in that they would be bad. Like, I knew that, like, part of the fun was, I think, looking at the... Um, uh, tomatoes, Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> like just, just see how low it was. But there, are, there are some that we'll talk about that have low RT scores that we both really we enjoy. Both really enjoyed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's something I wanted to make sure to get out of the way up front for the listeners because it's something that you would say to me usually every Friday night. Like, I'm not saying I love this movie, but you feel like I'm open to the idea yes. that this movie is is terrible. Um, and no one judge me on my lowbrow <laughs> movie choices because these date back you, from like, like, you, like you said, this was about like you going yes. to your comfort picks. Like, and, I'm not saying, I mean, you like Mulholland Drive is one of your favorite movies of all time, but that wasn't yeah. like the mood we were in no. in the deep in the pandemic, like on a Friday no, night. I wanted we nostalgia. For, I wanted yeah. comfort. I wanted predictability. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what we're going to do is just... Um, we're going to go in chronological order from... From when we watched it. When yeah. we started, um, which was... So not the order of the movie's release, but... Um, chronologically, when we watched them. And I think... How did we come across this idea of that I picked the Friday, you picked the Saturday? I guess it was two months into the pandemic, because our first one was in May. 
Yeah, or but I don't, I don't know if our first one was in May. The first one that I hadn't seen before was in May. Because you'll see, like, sometimes we'll be skipping weeks at a time right. because you picked something that I had seen, and we wanted to focus today on things that I had seen before. Yeah, I'm not sure how it came to that, like... Uh, uh, arrangement that you picked the Friday night movie and I picked the Saturday night yeah, movie. Yeah, we created a lot of fun routines, I think. Yeah, and we'll see how many of them stick around, how many of them yeah. fall away. Cards and records are here to stay. Yeah, we play uh, Yeah, the Yeah, I should say, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but Natalie and I both work from home, both are lucky enough to have kept our jobs through this entire ordeal. Um, I say lucky, we're both very stressed at work right now. Yeah. But um, we're lucky enough to have kept our jobs and to have been able to work from home. But what that means is we spend all day in the same, like, apartment but not like barely talking to each other like it's almost like we're co-workers like you know we like nod in the hallway or whatever (laughs) coming to and from the bathroom meet at the water cooler (laughs) literally at the Brita Uh, yeah Uh, and then so then at the end of the day we would play a game of gin rummy and listen to records yeah and that was like how we would come back together at the end of the day and say and try to put the work day behind us I'm bad at that I would I would then get back on my computer and answer emails but um yeah, the, uh, but let's let's jump in with May seventeenth of twenty twenty, and we watched Richard Benjamin's The Money Pit, a movie that I had certainly heard of. I know it has a reputation as kind of a flop. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies that has a very low Rotten Tomatoes score. Yes, did you look that up? No, oh, I, I, I think I did at that. the time. Yeah, we um, should have wrote that down, but. Uh, um, yeah, and yet it's one of the movies that I loved. This yeah. movie is so up my alley, so and I fun. think uh, uh, we're mostly going to focus on your memories of the movie at the time and your reactions now, but I just want to say that I love Money Pit. I think maybe part of the reason it seems like a failure is because it feels so, or, or it was seen as a failure at a time. at the time, was it feels so out of its time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels like a... Uh, like a screwball comedy. It feels like a throwback. It feels very... Uh, I, I can imagine audiences thinking it was corny. It's broad, it, physical... Yeah, it's... There are extended sequences that are essentially just live-action cartoons. Yes. When he falls in the, like, cart and, like, goes yes. down the different levels of construction yes. and, like, ends up in the fountain. Like, it's... That's like a... Uh, that's like some Laurel and Hardy yeah, shit. Yeah, I think it's going to stop and it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. Um, yeah, so this got heavy rotation at our um, local video store. So, you know, my parents and I would, my sister and I would have to, you know, pick the movie. Yeah. But this got heavy rotation from Alamo Video. Shout out to my local video store that I ended up managing and working at for six years wow very exciting um 50% of Rotten Tomatoes by the way oh it's not as bad as I would have imagined um but yeah my sister and I loved this movie it's so much fun big huge laughs um we would rewind that part where the um the bath falls through the ceiling and Tom Hanks's face just like laughing at the absurdity of the situation. <laughs> like shout laughing. Yeah. yeah. We would rewind it over and over again. I'm surprised that the tape didn't snap. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a tape, a VHS tape. Um, and there's also the, the co star here is Shelly Long, Long, who yes. will come up again. Yes. She was a big favorite in our, in our house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't watch. Troop Beverly Hills because you made me watch that very early in our relationship. I wasn't quite as big a fan of no. Troop Beverly Hills, but yeah, I know I you're a it. you're a Shelley Long fan. Yes. There is at least one more Shelley Long 
movie not as good as the money pit coming out <laughs> no <laughs> uh any other thoughts on the money pit uh no great movie if you haven't seen it you should definitely check it out so uh that must have been the saturday because the next we go to i'm not going to do this the whole time that's uh, we don't my brain to, works yeah, that i'm trying to like count the days in between i don't need to do that but may 23rd robert zemeckis death becomes her um yes. a movie i'd always meant to see yes um i know a lot of people my age and your age um we are the same age essentially uh love it yes um i love i i knew the cast uh, um i kind i knew basically I, or I thought i knew the premise but it turns out i didn't um but i've always been kind of real wishy-washy about Robert Zemeckis uh, movies, but I would say I would consider this top-tier Zemeckis. I really liked yeah. this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was so surprised that you'd never seen it. It's um, so iconic, and I I still love it. It holds up. Um, it's so dark. It's It even gets really scary. There's some excellent CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gets it gets real dark. Um, it, yeah, like I mean, it's it's uh, it's I can't I couldn't believe it's rated PG thirteen because it has essentially it's essentially like a body horror movie, but I guess it's not that bloody technically. Like it's it's it weird what horrific. they can get yeah. away with because yeah. like Meryl Streep's like when her when she like breaks her neck, it's like oh my she god, she gets her awful. like so yeah like twisted around. She gets and her then, like block knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, Isabella Rossellini yeah, is was, amazing in it. She's again, basically nude. Yeah, just barely skirting that PG-13 rating. Yeah. She's essentially nude the entire movie. Yeah. Like, just has, like, strands of hair covering her nipples, and that's enough to keep you from getting out. But, yeah, like, um, like plastic surgery disasters mm-hmm. and body horror. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for... Um, I think of... I guess I think of Robert Zemeckis as such a populist that I wasn't prepared for how delightfully like cynical this movie Very is cynical. sometimes yes. uh, about, about people. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, not that this is saying a lot because I'm not a big fan of his in more recent years, but this is a, a, a new, like one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances. Yes. Yeah. It's so like understated, but he's so good in it. Yeah. Um, so what are your, when, when did you first see this? Um, I didn't see it in the theater, but it would have been, you know, an Alamo video pick. Many of these will be. Um, should we move on to May 30th? Yeah. Oh, Goldie. I was a big fan of Goldie Hawn already. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. She's, um, and she'll, she comes up in a lot of my, yeah. Things. I don't know if we watched any other, you hated overboard. <laughs> I, I mean, I love I, I, you. You can't deny, and I understand what's why yeah. it's problematic. It's that that's there's just some the, like the premise is something I can't get over. That said, you can't deny Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's chemistry. chemistry yes. Um, also, I love Mike Haggerty as Kurt Russell's mm-hmm. friend. I love mm-hmm. him in everything he's he, he pops up in. Yep. Um, but yeah, just like there's oh, and Edward Herman and. Um, Oh, who plays his, uh, Roddy McDowell is his, like, mm-hmm. manservant, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much good stuff in Overboard that I can't fully push it away, but it does, there's, I just can't get past the ickiness of the, of the premise. Yeah, yeah. I also really love a boat movie. 
We um, we didn't talk about summer rental, but that would that should have been on this list. But you you loved summer rental. Yeah, but that was pre pandemic. So I was trying to stick this to got stick it, to stuff it. we watched during the pandemic. Yeah. But yeah, summer rental is another one I've talked about. Just like another one that doesn't have a good reputation. But if you're just there, it's like a Carl Reiner directing a bunch of like gags. It's like yeah, it's not the jerk, but it still comes from that same like let's have a bunch of silly laughs every like a mul- multiple times a minute type of movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, that's death becomes her. Then we're on to, I lost the date here. Uh, May 30th and to Beepin Kidron's to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmore, Newmar. And I think this, again, I'll get my reaction out of the way. This one was one of the biggest disappointments to me because I think I went in, expecting to like it a lot. I'd always thought that this seemed like a movie that I would like. Mm -hmm. And there are things about it. Certainly the lead performances are all terrific. Um, But it's, uh, it, it, it seems half committed at times. And also just, I hate to be the guy who's judging old movies by modern standards, but like given what, more of more of the public knows about trans people and about drag queens. Mm-hmm. This movie feels like so clueless. I, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think this. I love this movie. I have always been fascinated and love drag culture. Um, I of course it gets compared to Priscilla Queen of the Desert which I also loved but I chose this one because you hadn't seen it yeah I've seen Priscilla Um, and this one was a little bit later I'm gonna guess it was uh, 94 5 okay yeah Um, but this one I saw with my friends in the theater and we loved it so much we um, we watched it multiple times in the theater and then you know counted the days till it came out on video Um, this was it's just it's so colorful. Um, it's beautiful to look at. Patrick Swayze is beautiful as Miss Vita Boheme. You know, Wesley Snipes is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, they're all very beautiful. And I love the, um, I love the kind of like, they go to the small town and change things for the better. But yes, um, it is a little tone deaf, you know, when, when comparing to what yeah. we know now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to one I'm excited to talk about, although mm. I'm not realizing it's been over a year mm. since we watched it. I already want to watch it again. Another Richard Benjamin joint. On June 12th, we watched Mermaids. Yes. From this 1990, is... uh, which, again, I'll get my reaction out of the way first. I'm going to stop saying that every time. Um, I loved this. Yeah. It's so different from The Money Pit. Same director, but very, very different. But uh, it feels... it's. I'll say it's not as good as you will disagree with me about this. I don't think it's as good as Moonstruck as share movies go. Cause I, Moonstruck mm. is one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it kind of feels like it's, uh, it, it's in the same wavelength of this sort of like unconventional dysfun- dysfunctional families mm-hmm. that still love each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This, yeah, this resonated and I, this is probably one of my top 10, all-time favorite movies um but yeah it's just so good um the family is Cher Winona Ryder and Christina Ricci yeah very young Christina Ricci because this is even like pre-Casper yeah 
Um, but yeah, dysfunctional. It's a Jewish family. So I, of course, my heart. But like um, also the love interest, Michael Scheffling. Yes. Who what you've talked before about your young sexual awakening. <laughs> I've said before that the first, yeah, uh, um, Valeria Golina was, uh, the first, like yeah. as a kid, the first adult woman that I was like, Oh my God, she's beautiful. Yeah. And that's Michael Scheffling for you. That's my, yeah. Cause he was also in 16 candles, of course. Sure. And wild hearts can't be broken. Right. Okay. Um, so that one, that'll be the next, uh, and then Pandemic. in true like hunk God forbid. Oh gosh. In true like hunk fashion, he retired from acting in ninety one and like is now like a woodworker in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and he's oh, okay. like such a hunk now and forever. Yeah, I remember I remember when we talked about that, I remember this as much as I remember the movie, like looking up, I was like because you were saying like he stopped being in movies at yeah, a certain time. So I looked he? him up and I was like you want to see what he looks like now? And I like showed you a picture on my phone and you were like, Oh my God, gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So this is a great one. Highly recommend. Uh, I also think, um, a movie you and I saw together in the theater pre pandemic at, at the Billy Wilder theater. You and I saw crossing Delancey with, uh, um, yes. Oh, why am I, I can, uh, Amy Irving and, uh, Peter Riegert. Yeah. And I feel like, Bob Haskins and Mermaids and Peter Riegert in Crossing Delancey are two like great, unlikely romantic leads. Like not mm-hmm. the kind of guys you think of as, you know, the rom-com mm-hmm. dashing lead, but they're just, they're both so charming in their respective movies. Yeah. You yeah. get why, why Cher's sort of, or, I mean, the character's name is not Cher. It's Ms. Mrs. Flax. Yeah. Okay. Um, you get why her sort of like tough, demeanor gets like broken down a little bit by Bob Hoskins. He yep. charms his way, yep. his way in. Yep. Love mermaids. Uh, all right. June 19th, a movie that you had been telling me to watch forever. <laughs> um, because we, we love, uh, at least pre pandemic, we love going to Las Vegas. We haven't been to Las Vegas since February of 2020, but, um, Andrew Bergman's honeymoon in Vegas from 1992. <laughs> and this one is, um, Again, like I was saying with Overboard, um, you've got star power here that you, that's sort of undeniable with yeah. Nicolas Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker yep. and and James Caan. Um, there's also a bunch of, like, a crazy number of actors. Like, uh, I'm just looking at the the list here. Pat Morita, Anne Bancroft, Peter Boyle, um, Seymour Cassell, like all these people who just, like, show up. Ben Stein is in it. Um, Bruno uh, Mars. Oh, that's right. Bruno Mars. Oh, Tony Shalhoub is like the uh, casino manager, right? That yeah, like James yeah. Conn like grabs him by the nuts yes, or something. Yes. Um, so, uh, uh, Star Power Undeniable, I think the movie is very uneven. I think it's called Honeymoon in Vegas. There's a huge part of the middle of the movie that they're not in Vegas. Mm-hmm. They're in Hawaii, and I feel like the movie drags, and I just want them to get back to Vegas. But they get back to Vegas in huge style and I talked about like 30s 40s screwball stuff with uh, the money pit um, the way that the screenplay moves the pieces to get to that finale where he's dressed as Elvis jumping out of a plane and she's dressed as a Vegas showgirl uh-huh. and then the, on like on the like not on the strip like on the street in the middle of the strip uh, is so inventive and so much fun it's a huge payoff yeah it does lag in the middle but yeah. what's uh, tell me about watching Honeymoon in Vegas as a as a kid you know I don't remember the first time I saw it but I 
I do enjoy like a destination movie. I love that it was in Vegas and Hawaii, and I like the Hawaii part. Um, I like Pat Morita as kind of like he's the, a taxi driver, right? Yeah, but like a tour yeah. guide. Right. He's right. kind of like playing sides. Um, but yeah, I think I just liked the. I just liked it. I liked the costumes were terrific. Yeah. Um, I like both of these actors. I think Nicolas Cage is also a unlikely leading man because he just looks like such a doofus. <laughs> it's hard to like. Yeah. Well, that's another problem with this movie. I think though. Like, I think he's good in the movie comedically, but I don't think the movie bothers making a case for why she... Why she, yeah. Why, why she likes him, why him. she wants to be yeah. with him. Like, yeah. I mean, like, obviously James Conn's, like, a creep and a cheat and a criminal and a liar, but he's way nicer to her <laughs> yeah. than Nicolas Cage is. Yeah, truly. Yeah, he has more to offer. <laughs> um, this has a score of 63%, which is higher than I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um thought there was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah, this also has, speaking of, like, weird dysfunctional families, like, Nicolas Cage's whole thing is that, uh, in, a, in a sort of Oedipal way, his mother made him promise on her deathbed that he would never get married, and that's, like, the whole, like... That's the whole conceit. The, the, the reason they've been, because they've been together for years, and right. she wants to get married, and, and so he finally agrees to, like go to Vegas and marry her but the whole like motivation for his character's like reticence to get married is because he promised his mother on her deathbed that yeah. he'd never get married yeah and I always <laughs> resent just like the role of the like marry me why don't you marry me you know like I hate that Sarah Jessica Parker had to do that yeah yeah I know she's like obviously she's got a lot to offer right she's a got a fulfilling career as a school teacher <laughs> right uh, all right, let's move on. Sadly, we have to move on to, I think, my least favorite movie that you picked the entire pandemic. Yeah. And high on my list of least favorite movies I have ever seen in my life. Okay. And that is uh, going a little more recent from 1999, Darren Stein's Jawbreaker. Yes. It's just a nasty-minded, unoriginal, uninspired garish movie yes uh i agree and most people i think would agree with you 13 percent on rotten tomatoes okay um sometimes the rt yes. the 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 tomato meter or tomatometer to- as front of the show amy nicholson says uh is right yes um yes i hadn't seen this in um probably 20 years yeah um but when i did see it it was I liked how colorful it was. It was very stylish. You know, you can you can see how the costuming would be kind of appealing to a teen. But it's aged yeah. so poorly. So poorly. Whereas, you and I also watched this down on the list because I'd seen it before. We watched Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion from, yes. from like about the same time and also has very out there costumes. Yeah. But those, I feel like I watched that and I'm like, oh, fun, late 90s were fun. I don't think the costumes in Jawbreaker have have aged that well. Right. Yes. And I, I'm not defending it at all because I, I do also dislike it a great deal. I'm with you. Um, but I think it was, it was dark in a way that appealed to me at the time. Sure. Very dark. This is like, I don't know if you're going to agree with me and I just thought of this now, but for people who are age, 
who were teenagers like around the same time. Mm -hmm. This is like the girls boondock saints. Yes. Yes. And then the slow walk down the hall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Marilyn Manson has a cameo in it. We don't talk about him anymore. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean that the acting is good. Judy Greer is in it. Rebecca Gayhart. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, we don't talk about her anymore. Yeah. Either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So don't watch Jawbreaker yeah, unless you want to be disappointed. And then uh, going another week to July 3rd, that was June 26th, came up if I said that. July 3rd, 2020, we watched Pretty in Pink, and I have to say, also disappointed. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. It's it, fair, but also iconic, and you had to have seen it at some point. Right? Um, yeah, I knew. I always knew I was going to see it. I'd seen 16 Candles, and that um, has lots of problems uh, yes. Yes. W- with it. Um, uh, but uh, Pretty in Pink, I, I feel like as I get older, I don't... There are fewer and fewer John Hughes movies I like. I don't even think The Breakfast Club like means that much to me anymore. I like um, Ferris Bueller, mm-hmm. and I like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which we... Mm-hmm. watched Wait, was that your first time this past thanksgiving uh, was it the opposite was that me picking yeah I one that you so. hadn't seen before yeah and you liked planes trains and i did yeah. yeah uh so i like those but I, I don't think i really like him i think the my <laughs> biggest problem is i hate ducky there's yes i i think i've said this to you before i i, I probably said in the podcast too but the character archetype of the boy who's like I'm in love with this girl but she doesn't love me back mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. so little patience for yeah. it and hypocritically if it's the other way around I don't feel the same way right. if it's a girl pining after a boy who doesn't love her back I don't get annoyed by that but because you identify the, with the or maybe you I identify with the boy in a bad way like yes. what, what I want to like grab younger me and be like grow the fuck up yes you know yeah. and also because Ducky drives me crazy when he's like uh uh, I have to tell her how I feel, and it's like, bro, she knows. He's a you stalker. He's a stalker subtle. creep. He yeah. never stops. He never leaves her alone, even when she tells him flat out, "You need to leave me alone. I don't like you. Yeah. Please leave me alone." He doesn't, and yeah. that's that's a problem. Yeah, it was seen. I I think is like kind of sweet and endearing, and I think people were on Ducky's side, um, but I definitely am not. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I understand why people might have been on ducky said like people like us who felt weird in high school who felt like outsiders like he seems like he represents us i get that but his actions are inexcusable yeah except for when he sings along to the other shredding song which that, i like try a little tenderness yeah. that scene in the record store i think is worth watching um annie potts is excellent right and molly ringwald is a treasure yeah and let's not forget uh, Andrew Dice Clay is the bouncer doing some very performative cigarette smoking. Yes. Do you remember yes, that? <laughs> yes, I do. And Harry Dean Stanton also is um, her oh, father. Right, right. Yeah. That's why in... Um, Andy's father. Uh, in Not Another Teen Movie. Did you see Not Another Teen Movie? Yeah, that? yes. The, uh, the stadium that the high school football team plays in is called Harry Dean Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. And they also have lunch in the Anthony Michael dining hall. 
<laughs> that movie's funny. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to our friend Paul Goble who's in that movie. Nice. Uh, okay. Now, uh, we're jumping almost a month. I don't know what we did in July. Watched a bunch of movies I'd already yeah. seen or did something else. But, um, or more than a month, actually, to August 7th. And oh, I forgot to call, uh, I like to say the director's name, and I forgot to do it. Um, from 1987, Luis Valdez, La Bamba. Um, and, yeah, this uh, I, I really liked this one too and I'm glad this one I'm kind of glad I saw when I did because mm-hmm. I think if I'd seen it when I was a kid mm-hmm. like you yes oh I didn't ask you about seeing Pretty in Pink I guess you talked about it did you have anything else to say about Pretty in Pink no. that we didn't get to okay. no. I'm sorry I felt like I blew past it nope. if I had seen it when I was a kid like you do I would have loved it if I saw it now I would have loved it if I had seen La Bamba when I was a late teen early adult I would have been a little bit too hung up on the kind of like broad strokes musical biopic aspects of it okay and not tapped into what i actually love about it which is just the energy and the honesty and 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 how good lou diamond phillips is so in the movie good. how yes. great the music is yep. um by uh, uh los, los lobos, lobos. Did, did, mm-hmm. the, did the music um but also the score is so good like the um I forget what it's called. Like the the beginning scene where you see the airplane above. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. It's still devastating. Like that airplane thing. I didn't know that about uh, that. That really happened. That when um, uh, Richie Valens, um, Ricardo Valenzuela, was his real name, yeah. um, was a boy. Two planes crashed overhead. Mm-hmm above his elementary, elementary school, school yeah. and wreckage fell and like a boy, one or two boys like died yeah. from, um, it's also a crazy story. If you read the whole story about the plane crash, it was like, it wasn't just over this elementary school. Like it was from Burbank to Pacoima. There was wreckage. Yeah. Cause yeah. Was, yeah. This is, this is a huge, um, San Fernando Valley movie. It went out for life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Any, uh, any other, uh, thoughts that you wanted to, how did it, when, when you watched it as a kid, like, what did you know about Richie Valens? Um, well, I knew La Bamba. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if I saw, I don't think I saw this in the theater. I would have been very young. Um, but definitely it got me as a child. I loved the music. I loved it. Um, yeah, it was still, just so devastating and this is also a very dysfunctional family right um and i I think a really good depiction of you know the loss at the end of it his family finding out and it was just so weird like you know they found out that he died on the radio you know it was just so like it's just so different than it is now obviously but um Yeah. yeah it really resonated then and it it still does. I like. Um, I think uh, Elizabeth Pena is in. Yes, it. rest in peace. She'll come up later. Um, will she? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll remember when we get to it. I'm sure. Okay. Um, but um, I was going to say, uh, yeah, we so we talked. The the ending of the Bamba is so sad. Yeah. But I like that Luis Valdez then ends the movie with 
Lou Diamond Phillips as Richie Valens just performing in the Bamba. So it, yeah. yeah, so it and it still ends with that like it brings it back up and that celebration of him. Yeah. It's like it doesn't be like and then one by one his family members found out he died and they collapsed in the backyard and cried. Right. And then the credits roll. Like I'm glad that it ends with this yeah. this happy memory of him. Yeah. Um yeah, in the depiction of, you know, the day the music died. I thought it was Yeah. I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something else I wanted to say about it, but nope. All right. Um, week later, August 14th, and the film. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? Oh, La Bamba, uh, 91%. Oh, okay. Pretty so people good. agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the next week, August 14th, John Avnet's Fried Green Tomatoes mm-hmm. uh, has its moments, mm-hmm. works when it works, but um, there are things about it. I mean, <laughs> we talked about Tuong Fu, Fu being like out of time. Like the way that this movie uses black characters to be like, mm-hmm. it's like our characters are good Southerners. You can tell because they're friends with these black people. <laughs> That's like the only right. reason there are essentially our black people in the movie is to be, right. is and to make at, the white characters look like right. nice Southerners. Right. Uh, and also it like, not to give spoilers, but like it has a, like a cannibalism plot that is There's a cannibalism insane to me that it's plot. in this movie. I mean, this is based on a book. There is a source material. Fanny flag wrote mm-hmm. the novel. Um, but with this movie, when I watched it at the time, I didn't know that it was a lesbian love story. Right. And it occurred to me now, like, it's it's so obvious. Like, things that you notice, like, in adulthood, you didn't understand when you were little. Like, I think this has come up a lot in, in all of these revisits. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I watch it now, it was absolutely a love story. Like the food fight, it's very erotic. It's very sensual, but it's a mainstream movie. So I think, I mean, any lesbian is able to correct me if I'm wrong, but any lesbian would clock this as a love story. <laughs> yeah, You know, so, it's yeah. um, just the way they look at each other. They're in love. This is not just like a, a friendship. Yeah. Well, she's a beach owner. She's a beach. <laughs> yeah. They're in love. This is a love story. And I think in the novel, it was a love story as well. So I think in order for it to be like a mainstream movie, they toned it down. Oh, okay. Do you remember, um, speaking of things we didn't pick up on as kids, it seems so obvious now. Do you remember the Volkswagen commercial with the two guys driving around like picking up furniture in San Francisco the road, and, yes and it was the da da yeah. da it by Trio I love that song is that they're by, the name is called the band is called Trio the band the is Trio or? the song is da 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 da, da. I remember because I've been a and this is how long I've been an Entertainment Weekly subscriber like back in 97 I remember reading they did like a best commercials of the year or whatever best use and they uh, wrote about that commercial and referred to like the ambiguously gay couple and I was like what are they talking about? And like, if you watch that commercial on YouTube now, uh, now I feel like I'm so, I was just stupid, like 14 year old kid who didn't know, like, obviously this is a commercial like that is coded. This, uh, yeah. The, yeah. And they're in San Francisco yes. driving. Yeah. yeah they're both very the... good looking and yeah. well dressed. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, I guess same. picky about home furnishing. That's a bad stereotype. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Same thing. Things that seem so obvious now. 
Uh, all right. So next, the next August twenty first. This is not a youth nostalgia pick because you would have been in. In uh, I'm going to say it my midwestern way. You would have been in college in when college. this movie came out. Um, um, yes, this. But this was a blind spot for you. Yeah, I think this is more like you saying, "I can't believe you haven't seen this. You'll love it." It's yeah. Christopher Guest's A Mighty Wind, and I really did like it quite a bit. I yeah. feel like the biggest slam against Christopher Guest that I hear that I often disagree with is that he doesn't have any affection for his characters that his movies are mocking of his characters and I would say A Mighty Wind is case in point like that people are wrong when they say that like yes these characters are often ridiculous Mm -hmm. but I think the movie has a lot of affection for them yeah you know I agree Uh, especially um, Catherine O'Hara and um, and Eugene Levy yeah yeah Um, I got a little teary teary eyed yeah yeah uh, yeah, I, I'm almost getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Like, uh, who is it's um, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Christopher Guest are, are the I forget what they're called now. Um, uh, like the the three um, isn't it like something folksmen? The, the folksmen, folksmen maybe something. Yeah. yeah, they're like in their dressing room talking shit about the other acts, but then yeah. they hear over the speaker Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara playing that song. Yeah. And they go out to watch. I'm yeah. getting emotional yeah. just talking about it. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on a mighty wind? Um, no, it's it's a great it's a great movie. Um, all right. Speaking of huge blind spots for me, September 18th. I'm almost ashamed to admit that I had never seen this movie, but you chose to show it to me the night before my birthday. So uh, this is a birthday, birthday present yeah. to me. I had never seen John Waters' Hairspray. Yeah. I I don't know what to say about it it's except sh- that it's it's so fucking great it's so fucking great yeah it's yeah it's one of my favorites and the fact that he could like make after you know making his name with like uh you know pink flamingos and and female uh, trouble female trouble and desperate what is it um, uh i can't remember desperate living is that it desperate living yes is that right? yeah okay um making his name with these like movies that are like x-rated type of like he makes this movie that's like a pg movie for families ostensibly but it still has it's still that anarchic subversive like, provocative, subversive yeah like fuck you energy to it yeah on so many levels and ricky lake God ricky damn. lake is a gem yeah divine is well divine yeah <laughs> um but yeah this is a great movie but you you saw the remake Right, which which surprised me because you saw the remake. Um, the, the you mean so they made a, a stage musical, right? And then they made a movie in two thousand seven of that stage musical, right? Uh, yeah, so I'd seen that, but uh, I like this movie better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great movie. Debbie Harry's in it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Next week, September twenty fifth. Less great, but very well loved by certain people, including, I guess, you, <laughs> Gary Marshall's Beaches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, it just has no, there's no grace to this movie, I feel like. And, I mean, Gary Marshall's never been a subtle director. I don't think I really like his his movies. I know that there's been a lot of people coming around on pretty woman. I know you're a big pretty woman fan, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I, his, his style is so like, just feels like he directs with a sledgehammer and, um, 
uh, and, and Beaches is also. I'm going to look at the runtime, but before I look at the runtime, I'm going to guess and say that it's three hours and 25 minutes long. Nope. Two hours and three minutes. <laughs> two hours and three minutes. You definitely, it feels very long. You definitely feel yeah. every minute of, <laughs> yeah. of that. Um, yes, it's high melodrama, uh, but I still find it gutting in the way that it did when I was a kid. Um, I think I have a soft spot for female friendships. Um, I love Bette Midler. Yeah. Um, I love her musical career. Like, she's in plays throughout the the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant Bette Midler's musical career. But yes, the characters. Yes. Well, Bette Midler's as well. Um, but yeah, it spans decades. So it starts out with them, friends as ch- children, and then, you know, older adulthood. Um, my sister's childhood friend played a young Barbara Hershey fun fact yeah yeah in the movie her name is marcy leeds shout out to marcy leeds wherever yeah. she is and you knew her yeah she was friends with your older sister yeah um but yes i i understand why one wouldn't appreciate this <laughs> in the way that i do um keeping with the bet midler and um davy not liking a movie Don't call me davy on the podcast <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay yeah uh, my name's Davey around the house. Yeah. Everyone have fun with that. Yeah. That's your Twitter handle. That's true. Yeah. Davey Pretension. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. Um, no, I was joking. You can call me Davey on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Kenny Ortega's Hocus Pocus, a movie beloved by mostly female people our age. Watching it now, it feels like a movie for kids made by very, very old people. <laughs> Just out of touch yeah. adults in a, in a writer's yeah. room. Like what would, what would a kid say here? <laughs> yeah. Remember what the kid says he's going as for Halloween? A rap singer. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> that sounds like my grandpa. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting the name of a movie wrong. Like, uh, we're, we're taking the grandkids to see my little mermaid. That's when I, remember, I have this memory of my grandpa as a kid calling it my little mermaid, my little mermaid, which yeah, it's, <laughs> it's about right. Um, I chose this because you'd never seen it and, and also we're in, we're in Halloween time. So the next few were, yeah. you know, Halloween. I wanted to, you know, because we were robbed of the traditional, passages of time you know (laughs) we we tried to kind of mark them in ways that you know felt festive so yeah yeah, i picked a lot of halloween movies yeah we had a we had a fun halloween time especially halloween itself we made a uh like a gingerbread like haunted uh, house haunted house yeah you decorated the apartment yeah yeah Yeah. we we made do but yeah not through this movie hocus pocus there is a place in my heart for it yeah um, but uh, yeah, Shout upon, out in front of the show, Doug Jones, who's, yes, uh, who's in it. Yeah. Great. But yeah, upon rewatching it, it's a little cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to take some crap. Well, I already said this in the movie journal, but I'm going to, I take some crap for, from this one. People our age love this one, including you. So we had rewatched, um, Barry Levinson's Adam's, Adam's family. family, um, which I think is so great. Um, and you were like, um, I said Barry Levinson, Barry Sonnenfeld's Adam's Family, um, and you were so surprised that I'd never seen its follow-up, Adam's Family Values, mm-hmm. 
also directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, but written by totally different people, and you can tell. Um, and I hated it. I hated Adam's family values. Mm. Uh, as much as I try not to be, like, one of those people who's so, like, dedicated to, like, a franchise or whatever that I'm like, oh, they broke the, like, they didn't honor the whatever. It's just, like, it's so jarring to go from the tone yeah. of Adam's family, of the, the sort of, like, um, fun, like, dark but innocent gothy tone of Adam's family to go to this, like, like bad sketch group sense of humor of Adam's family values. It starts out well. The whole the whole sequence where Wednesday and Pugsley keep trying to kill the baby, yeah. that's great, and that felt like something from the first movie. Yeah. But then it's just this broad, garish, like, I love the I love the camp stuff. Um, yeah. But what, like, did you, did you prefer this movie as a kid to the first one? No. No, I don't think so. And I think Adam's Family is a better movie, and it's a funnier movie. Um, I feel like I liked the characters more than this one, mm-hmm. but this was also fun. Yeah. I, I'll, po- I'll, I'll point to one joke in particular that I hate, or I, it's more of a gag than a joke for getting into comedy terms. <laughs> um, in Adam Stanley values when they have a, um, they have a bachelor party for uncle Fester because mm-hmm. he, he gets married to Joan Cusack. Uh, waste a wasted Joan Cusack if you ask me because I love her. No, I thought um, she was good. I just don't think she belongs in this movie. Okay, uh, or in the Adam Sandler world. But anyway, uh, they have a bachelor party, and there's a part where there's a, a stripper supposed to pop out of the cake, mm. and it turns out that yeah. Lurch accidentally cooked the cake with the stripper in it. No, nothing that mean spirited happens in the first Adam's Family. The only people who die are. Uh, Dan Hedaya and his mother, I'm forgetting the actress, mm-hmm. at the end, and yeah. they're the bad guys, and even their death is like a big comical thing where they're shot out the window, and then they land in open coffins in the graves right. and Wednesday and Buckley bury them. Like, it's it's cartoonish, and also they're the bad guys. Like, if there's anyone who's going to die in the movie, it, we want to see the bad guys die. But just to have an innocent human casually killed off off screen in a horrific way for a joke is not the tone of the Adams family. The first Adams family that I love right. so much. Yeah. Well, I think, well, Morticia is great. And I think in keeping up with what I loved about her in the first movie, when she, she gives birth and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. like she, ha- she feels nothing like there's no pain involved yeah. whatsoever. She just like pops it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just love that. Like, sort of embrace of pain. <laughs> I, and like <laughs> I said, that's at the beginning. I, the, the movie starts off really well. Yeah. But uh, it, it goes south. After you don't like the, you the romance with um, David Krumholtz Wednesday, uh, Wednesday and... I guess I like him. I always liked David Krumholtz, but I don't like the whole camp thing. I feel like that... I, I'm, going, I'm going so deep on how much I hate this movie, but like... Um, there's the there's the right way to do it felt like sketch comedy again like I was saying or, or, or like improv or whatever like um, it seems so like it's such an obvious lazy move to say let's take the Adams Family and put them in modern day 
I mean, right. obviously, the first Adam's Family takes place in modern day, but it, other than this, the the sort of segment when they're at the motel, it doesn't really have them interacting. It doesn't. It's not a fish out of water comedy. But that's kind of funny when you when you see like random people encounter them and just to, like I kind of feel that way when we watch like Sopranos and just like normal everyday New Yorkers or you know people in New Jersey how they're seeing this family to me that's kind of interesting because we know them as their characters but to see from another point of view I guess family. maybe I think that the way that the the movie's written the, the normal people's reactions are a little obvious yes yes yeah, that is true. Um, I do like that young uh, Mercedes McNabb, yeah. Harmony from Buffy and Angel, yeah, she's good. is the like uh, mean girl at camp. Yeah, she's uh, she was playing Harmony before she was playing Harmony. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, we've talked about this movie far too long. Okay, uh, let's move on to. Uh, oh, okay. If Hocus if Hocus Pocus and Adam Sandler were disappointments for me, a revelation for me was The Craft. <laughs> this was when we watched on October 30th, the the night before uh, Halloween, and uh, directed by Andrew Fleming. And um, I think I had an idea in my mind of what The Craft was, mm-hmm. and I think I was thinking of... I think what I thought it was was kind of like Jawbreaker with Witches. It was just like... I thought it was just going to be this, like teenage girl wish fulfillment type of thing. Cause I feel like that's kind of what the trailers were about. But, um, this movie is awesome. It's, uh, it goes wild. It's dark. It goes crazy. Feminist. Uh, yeah, but also it allows its characters to be like, they're like bad, bad like not yeah. like movie bad, right. bad, but like there's, like devilish yeah awful demonic yeah Yeah, the movie goes to some dark yeah like some occult it it, it doesn't shy away from the occult stuff in in its premise um but you must have been so you would have been in eighth grade when this movie came out if i'm doing um 86 uh yeah 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 so Um, this really yeah tell me about that this obviously spoke to me and my friends we loved it we loved everything about it we got real witchy in the way that you know teen girls do at sleepovers and we would you know play what Ouija does that board. mean oh uh, okay you play Ouija but what else yeah, did you do we would do light as a feather stiff as a board okay um we would you know burn candles like nothing like I mean just very like minimal but it, we had yeah. fun with it um that's funny you never tried to do spells I mean see if they'd work try to brew up a, uh, a love potion <laughs> we did yeah some soft soft spells <laughs> soft spell binding was happening <laughs> at our slumber parties um uh what's your favorite uh soft spell song <laughs> <laughs> um uh, uh sex dwarf yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um all right Next up, all right, um, another, not a John Hughes uh, movie, but it feels like it. Feels like it's of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Columbus's Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, I could talk about what's problematic about this, I could yeah. play the other ones, but it almost yeah. doesn't seem worth it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is a movie that I... Um, I missed the boat. If I, If you didn't see it... 
at the time, I don't think Avengers of Babysitting is a movie to be seen now. Um, yeah. Uh, that's fair. Um, 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about that? I loved this movie. I watched it over and over again as a child. Um, yeah, I wanted to be Elizabeth Shue. I thought she was so cool. Um, but yeah, in rewatching it, there's some truly embarrassing moments, <laughs> namely the um, blues club scene. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was it was really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I, I really enjoyed this movie as a child and um, somewhat uh, now. All right, let's move on. Okay, this is another much more recent uh, movie, maybe the most recent movie of our entire... So far, because it, it was A Mighty Wind, which is 2003. This is 2005's The, the Family Stone, directed by Thomas. I'm going to say his last name is pronounced Bazooka. Mm-hmm. Um, but we watched this on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, Again, we watched a few like holiday type movies to to mark mark the season. Yeah, we watched plenty of plenty of holiday movies, but this was the one you picked that you were like you like you you liked this movie, and, and, and I'd only seen like. it once. Right at that point, fifteen years. Prior. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't like a deeply resonating nostalgic pick for me it was just kind of like oh this is a dysfunctional family drama and those are my my kind of movies um yeah uh so yeah you would have been i guess still in college i can't remember when yeah. you graduated i don't remember when i first watched it i don't yeah i, I feel like it's like a good like plane movie oh, <laughs> or yeah. like homesick movie yeah um I was interested to watch it because this was December. The previous month, Thomas Bazooka's... I don't know. That's probably not how you say his name, but I like the idea that his yeah. name is pronounced Bazooka. Um, his most recent movie, uh, <laughs> Let Him Go. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should say what our inside joke is here. It's not going to be funny to anyone, but we can. That, well, you were trying to remember the name of the movie Let Him Go, and what did you call it? Um give me the kid or <laughs> like, I just I kind of but like I did it to make you laugh yeah yeah. G- give me the boy let's get the boy back or something let's like grab that, that kid yeah. give me that boy <laughs> uh, but it was called let him go and I really liked it so I was like oh um, a Thomas Bazooka film I haven't seen uh, and yeah the family stone is is good it's more um, complex its characters are more specific than I think mm-hmm. uh, you get out of a lot of sort of like uh feel good Christmassy movies. This yeah. isn't even always a feel good movie. No, no. You know? I think it's melodramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also like the Sarah Jessica Parker who like She's everyone loves. Yeah. But is playing someone who you're like, like, Oh, like shut up. Yeah. Stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the, the fact that like Sarah Jessica Parker, who was like, to me, like in the America's sweetheart realm right. is playing Such a, a, an annoying, judgmental, like buttoned up character right. is, is fun. But then when she gives in, that's like a sweet emotional yeah. scene and uh, it pays off when she, when she's at the bar with Luke Wilson or no, when they have oh, the food, the, the food, the food yeah, fight, they get the, they, she spills the, what was that egg casserole dish she was making? That I don't egg remember. Casserole? Spills it all over herself. This is our second mention of a food fight. This one is not as erotic no, or sensual. Uh, yeah, it's among family <laughs> mostly. Um, all right, and then 
so that was December 25th. So jumping ahead a week to the next holiday, January 1st, you were trying to find a movie that had New Year's in it. I've never seen this movie. Oh, you had Well, let's, fuck, let's forget it. We didn't yeah, talk take it off this. the list. Uh, I mean, we can say it was while you were sleeping. I hated yeah. it. I'd never seen it before. Um, um, well, I just deleted the... <laughs> deleted my list oh no i'll send it i'll send it back to you <laughs> it's um good one wait it might be in my uh okay uh, the next one would be on january 8th okay which is the sword and the stone okay um yeah i still don't have the the list uh the sword and the stone um i'll find more information about it when i uh, i just sent it to you in, in, in a second but um yeah, I, uh, I I loved it, and it feels like it's so weird to see Disney come from that to where they are now because, like, this movie isn't, like... I, I guess Disney has become, like, Pixarified, which, like, everyone loves mm-hmm. Pixar, or at least did at one point, but, like, now every, like, movie has to have, like some sort of big maudlin, like, right. journey to it. Adult like, sort of, theme yeah. or, yeah. Sword in the Stone is just, like... A it's super just, fun, like, kids, yeah. like, distraction romp type time. And it's real, like, um, like the animation is, like, pretty rudimentary compared to what we're used to seeing. Um, but I knew you'd like this. And I watched it all the time when I was very, very young. Um, and I hadn't seen it, again, probably 30 years. Um, yeah. Uh, 1963, directed by Wolfgang Reitherman. And according to IMDb, two uncredited directors named Clyde Geronomi and David Hand. But the credited director is Wolfgang Reitherman. Yeah. Um, good to know. I, I, <laughs> I loved um, about this movie, um, they have adventures as animals, and it's like a series of fables. But I love that the animal versions of them look like them. Yeah. Like as fish, as squirrels, as dragons yeah i remember you saying that that like you were like it's cute that when merlin turns into a squirrel he still looks he's like still merlin, merlin. <laughs> and, that, and that is cute it's, it's very real cute. cute or as a squirrel like that's a merlin squirrel yeah <laughs> um i'm glad you liked it and then the movie so i've been saying talking about movies i liked and movies i didn't like the movie you showed me <laughs> that i <laughs> have the least idea what to make of is the next uh, Shelley Long movie, and it's Frank Perry's Hello Again from 1987. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Why don't you tell me about what you thought of this movie as a kid? As a kid, I, again, love Shelley Long. Um, I thought it was real fun and funny, but I'm a, I'm a dumb kid. Right. Like, I didn't understand so much of it. as I, Like, I'm watching it now. Hadn't seen it again since I was probably 10. Um, or even younger, actually. Um, but, yeah. I just liked the look of it. I liked the characters in it. I love Shelley Long. Um, but, yeah. Rewatching it, it's absurd. It's, um, it's an absurd premise. And it's absurd what it does with the premise. Like, yeah. that it has this, like, oh, she dies for, like, how long? Is it just a year? I think it's a Because a lot changes. But, yeah, I think it's just a year, and then she comes back. But then, like, that's a high-concept premise, but then the movie weirdly decides to, like, 
take that seriously emotionally <laughs> yes but still yes. try to be this like supernatural uh, like madcap comedy at the same time to see yeah uh yeah 11% <laughs> and it earns I might go more than that it earns the just for like novelty for, Gab- like, uh, Gabriel Byrne that's not uh, it? I, he's great ta- but we've been talking about like with other stop big stars we watched like chemistry I love Shelley Long I love Gabriel Byrne they are a weird fit I, I feel like, whereas I, lo- I really like Shelley Long and Austin Pendleton as like the, um, the, the dorky, awkward, like heir to yeah. the fortune yeah. who ends up kind of like helping save the day. Yeah. Uh, at the end. Well, he's they're, into her sister. Uh, right. Yes, he is. But I'm just saying there are chemi- like they're uh, screen partners. They're fantastic. The part where she at the beginning before she dies when they're at like a fancy person's like outdoor barbecue and they're like grilling a whole fish on a spit yeah and she like accidentally like torches the fish yeah and she and austin pendleton are like shaking up seven up bottles and trying to put the fire out with like two liters of soda and they love it richie rich yeah lame party Yeah. yeah i love that part yeah okay weird movie though yeah like at the the climax the climactic scene involves Shelley Long doing a an impression of an old man with a thick southern accent yeah. for like minutes on end. Like it goes on forever yeah. for talking in that voice. Yeah. Weird movie. Um and then so that was uh, that was January January fifteenth, so January twenty second. Um at this point you uh, this might be about the time you got your first vaccine shot, by the way. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing the math correctly, it was yeah. around this time. Uh, because you were essential. Um, so you got vaccinated before anyone else I knew. Yeah, I was fully vaxxed by end of February. You you had your second shot right before Valentine's Day. So yeah, yeah. with the two weeks, yeah. it would have been before the end of February yep. that you were like, yeah. Um. All right, so January 22nd, Susan Seidelman's She-Devil, um, a movie that I always kind of wanted to see because I like Susan Seidelman. Um, but also, I think it came out around the time that like a lot of people, especially maybe in the conservative part of the country that I lived mm. in, really turned on Roseanne, like... It's weird to think now because Roseanne became like we've, a... We've turned on her for good reason. Because oh. because she became like a Trump-type person. Yes. But those people hated her in the 90s because like her show had like lesbians she on it. She was outspoken, feminist. And also, yeah. she uh, yeah. disrespected the, the national anthem. I don't know if you remember that. I like, do, That yeah. she like sang it in an intentionally bad voice. And so like the attitude around her was so negative, uh, I think, where I lived that... Um, you didn't watch Roseanne? Uh, I did eventually. Yeah. Now I love Roseanne. Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, I, I didn't watch the new, no, the new one. No. Um, a part of me is morbidly curious, but, um, uh, I ended up really liking she devil. Um, I mean, Roseanne's good in it, but really I feel like this is a Meryl. Meryl Streep is so game in this yes. movie. That's exactly what it was. Um, yeah. And I, it, it holds up to me. I, I love this movie. I think it's, it has a lot of like, um, like John Waters darkness. Like, um, I got a lot of like serial mom vibes. Oh yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's like a revenge comedy and it goes so dark 
Um, but I really, but I really love this. But also staying broad the whole time. Yes. And like you talked about Meryl being game. Like she's just, it's such a kooky, yeah. goofy performance. Yeah. And, but she's as committed to it as if it were, you know, Sophie's Choice or, or, yes. or whatever. I, I, I love that uh, uh, about her. I love when Meryl is silly. Yes. Um, yeah. This has a score of 40, which I think that's way too low. And I think this does have kind of a, a cult following at this point. Um, but yeah, I would like to see this like at a cemetery screening or like yeah. a, um, yeah. one of those outdoor screenings. I feel like it, it holds uh, up. Where's Shout Factory with the Blu-ray, like the 4K remaster of She-Devil? That would be awesome. I mean, I don't think it needs to be like a perfect viewing. That's why I feel like an out, outside okay. screening would kind of be... With a lot of people who feel the same way. I think this never got the like cult Synespia treatment that it deserves. Yeah. We're being very inside LA here. Oh, sorry. Synespia is yeah. the company that um, puts on the outdoor screenings at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yeah, and um, they've expanded which you may to have other seen venues. In, on Insecure or in Under the Silver Lake, right? Yeah, they but I, I feel like a lot of cities across the country and world they do have outdoor screenings. Have outdoor but like, screenings, but this but one the is cemetery. Is yeah. I don't know if other uh, cities do cemetery screenings the way that right um, Hollywood Forever does. That, yeah. yeah, because they happen to have they have a like, I guess we'll get into this because I want people to know <laughs> to just to quell any worries. You're not on, you're not sitting on people's graves when you go to the Hollywood Forever <laughs> Cemetery. The Hollywood Forever Cemetery has the mausoleum has a big mall, not like a shopping mall, but you know, a, a, a big, large, grassy area next to it. So they project the movies on the side of the mausoleum, which, okay, maybe that's a little. Uh, ghoulish, but you're sitting on the grass. The closest I've seen, the only time I've ever seen someone actually like maybe step on a grave is when the line for the porta potties gets too long, or just walking to and from this because it's a it's a schlep to get to the. But there's, there's there's paths you can walk, and you have to like step right. On but people graves. are drunk, people are smoking, you know, like right. I think it is kind of ghoulish in a way. Okay, but I think it's 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 all in good fun but it's also become like it's not the comic-con level but you know how like comic-con isn't something you can decide the day of or a few weeks or a few months beforehand like let me all go to comic-con like you have to it's a scene and so like the cemetery screens have become a thing that like they're going to sell out right away and even if you get the tickets in time you have to show up hours beforehand the whole like the yeah, it's a whole day. Like the waiting to get in is its own scene. Like you people bring, yeah, people bring their <laughs> own like, like because you're allowed to bring drinks in the cemetery. You're not supposed to drink when you're in line outside the cemetery, but people Everyone like does. sneak stuff. And so yeah. like, there's a whole like, like party picnic vibe outside the cemetery. Then you get let in. People are already drunk. It's and then it's yeah. still an hour and a half before the movie starts. The movie starts. itself is almost like an afterthought. It's kind of like a nightcap. Exactly, yeah. This is like, all right, we've been partying in the sun for hours. Let's just chill and watch this movie. Yeah, you're going to fall asleep, maybe. Yeah. I do. <laughs> you're going to bundle up on your blanket, eat too much cheese and crackers and wine, and fall yeah. asleep during yeah. the movie. Um, yeah, it's super fun. I can't wait to go back to They're back, but I can't wait. I, we haven't been to one, yeah. to one yet. Um, all right, so any other thoughts about She-Devil? No, go, go watch it. Go watch it. Um, and then we're... I don't know what we did in February because we're moving all the way to March 19th and we're watching Ken Quapis's Vibes, <laughs> a movie that I like, when you said you wanted to watch this movie from your childhood, I were like, I didn't even know what it was. 
And then while watching it, I was like, oh, I remember catching some of this on TV. Like some memory that I didn't know I had when Jeff Goldblum is like talking because he's a psychic who can like tell the history of an item by touching it. He's talking about a knife that was used to murder someone. And then like the end of the scene, he's like, also someone had sex on this table, like the table that he's, that the knife's on. And like you clocked that scene. I I, like that suddenly like broke loose his memory. Like (laughs) I saw that on TV as a kid. Um, but uh, here's something. What's what's the Rotten Tomato score? Fourteen. Unfair. This movie is. <laughs> it's, it's silly, but it's, it's wacky. A, it's a lot of fun. Um, it appealed to me obviously because Cindy Lauper is in it. Jeff Goldblum, I like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't see it in the theater, but Peter Falk. Yes, um, Elizabeth Pena. Wait, who is she in the movie? She tries to kill Jeff Goldblum in Ecuador. <laughs> oh, right. Yes, that's um, right. Uh, Okay, I have a I have a story. I have a disclosure. Oh yes. Oh, thank thank you. I'm so glad you remembered because I was supposed to remind you of a an embarrassing story when vibes came, and I forgot. It's so embarrassing. So oh, I can't wait. Elizabeth Pena is trying to like she's in on. I get okay. So they they're both psychics and they're tricked into flying to Ecuador to find a city of gold. Um, so along the way, people are onto them. So Elizabeth Pena is trying to kill Jeff Goldblum because he's going to lead her, I don't know, whatever. But she, <laughs> she, try, she tries to po- poison him with like, like a little wafer, and she says it's, it's an aphrodisiac made of like rhino horns or uh-huh. something. Um, and he doesn't take it. Obviously, he doesn't die. But when I was a child... I thought that aphrodisiacs were vitamins because <laughs> it looked like a vitamin. So I, I think like I was taking my like vitamin C tablet and I said, oh, it's an aphrodisiac. I, I think I also liked the way the word sounded. Yeah. And my dad just said like, that's not what that is. And didn't say anything else. Like he didn't want to talk about that. It aroused sexual desire. And I was just like a dumb kid. He was probably like mortified that I said that about like, don't say this to anyone. (laughs) But yeah, that's my embarrassing disclosure. That's so great. But do you have those things? Like when you're a child, you don't understand. And like the adults don't tell you otherwise. Yeah. Nothing as embarrassing as that. <laughs> um, nothing that I like said something sexual for my parents that, okay. that I didn't have that. The only thing I can think of is that for the longest time, I thought that the word unsightly meant invisible. Okay. Cause there's a part in, um, the first teenage mutant Ninja turtles movie when one of the turtles or maybe more of them are hiding in April O'Neil's bathroom, April O'Neil's bathroom and her boss is at her apartment and he like wants to use the bathroom and she's like, I can't let you in there. I don't want you to see my unsightly bathtub ring. And I was like, invisible. And I was like, yeah, how would he see an invisible bathtub but ring? That makes, or is that the that's, joke? That's a logic conclusion that a kid would come to. But yours is logical too. That like, when you're a kid, yeah. when someone's encouraging you to put something in your mouth that isn't appetizing to you, and the reason they would word. do so right. is because it's healthy for you. So that's right. obviously where your mind goes. Yeah. Because hopefully no one's trying to, you know, slip you some Spanish fly when you're right. a little kid. Yeah. And in the movie, it didn't help that the tablet looked like one of my vitamin C tablets. Right. Right. 
All right. I'm glad we talked about that. Um, the movie's a big, dumb, silly time. Um, Which you should also watch if you have some time. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tyler, when I talked about this in the movie journal, was talking about how, in context, it's kind of like clearly a like romancing the stone ripoff. Yes. But yes. Watching it in the early 2021, I obviously am not thinking about romancing the stone, and on its own, I just think it's a fun movie. And they have great chemistry, Cindy Lauper and yeah. Jeff Goldblum. And why isn't Cindy Lauper? Uh, why hasn't she been in movies this whole time? Like well, she's in musicals. She does a lot of yeah. stage. And then uh, our last one, I guess we we decided to 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 wrap this up. This 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 uh, what's what I'm looking for series yeah. of screenings up. It's unfortunate. Uh, well, well, we'll get back to it. Uh, but the last one we watched, we, end, we ended on. I have to say, not a very good note. Um, from 1995 again your prime middle school years there uh leslie linkagladder's now and then um yeah i think this is the one that you were maybe most like uncertain of and disappointed that it didn't hold up yeah because it's it's not good well i saw this in the theater with my friends like you do um and at the time i liked it and i think i wanted to watch it out of kind of like a perverse curiosity like I knew it was going to be bad but the cast is just outstanding and it's crazy that not only is the adult cast um outstanding we've got uh Demi Moore Rosie O'Donnell uh Melanie Griffith and Rita Wilson but the young cast is also Christina Ricci Thor Birch Gabby Hoffman and then um the fourth girl is Ashley Aston Moore, who sadly passed away. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of premise there, but um, childhood fr- female friendships have been a, a through line in a lot of these picks. If you haven't noticed, uh, yeah, for sure. But I think like the if <laughs> it's this flashback. First off, the old I. I it feels like there's a version of this screenplay in which the older, like the modern day versions and the, what is it like 1970 or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. versions. Oh yeah. Cause it's 25 years, 70, yeah. 95, the modern day versions, 1970 versions have like equal screen time, but really the modern day people are just like the bookends. They're the beginning and the end, right? Which is a bummer. I wanted to see more of them, but it's a kid's movie. I think it was marketed as a kid's movie. Okay. Um, <clears throat> as that, it feels like it was written by a kid. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I guess maybe I'm expecting something like two years before this, you had Days of Confused, like Richard Linklater f- clearly like drawing on his memories of the 70s. Sure. Y- yeah. You know, this feels like it was written by someone who, the most embarrassing, there's a lot of embarrassing stuff in this movie, but Brendan Fraser shows up as mm-hmm. uh, a hippie who's, an, who's a vet, like a veteran who's back from Vietnam and has gone hippie. And it really does feel like a 13 year old in 1995 their idea of what that yeah. person would have been yeah. it's, it's really embarrassing yeah yeah the characters are are broad mm-hmm. um, yeah it's it's real embarrassing <laughs> yeah it's it's too bad that that's where we ended 32% so, on Rotten Tomatoes uh, too high uh, <laughs> too high <laughs> watch Vibes watch Hello Again before you watch yeah definitely watch The then. Money Pit yes 
Yeah, let's let's. Uh, oh, that, that's a fun thing. So I said, you have the list in front of you. Um, I said clearly my least favorite is Jawbreaker. I think my favorite movie that you showed me in this series is Mermaids. Oh, okay. Yeah, me too. Mine too. Uh, that's also your favorite. And what is your least favorite? Is it also Jawbreaker? Uh, it might be a tie between now and then and Jawbreaker. Okay. Well, uh, this was this was fun. Um, we hope I hope that you will be on the podcast again sometime. Well, we'll see. But yeah, this this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored um, and humbled. And I mean, this isn't what we're here to do. But if you've liked listening to me and Natalie, we do have our own podcast. It's called The One Where I Met You. Whether you can find it at BattleshipRetention dot com or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Again, that's not what we're here to do. Right. But <laughs> yeah. Um, in the meantime, you can actually find us by us. I mean, me and Tyler Hurds. I always say us. Mm-hmm. You can find me and Tyler at battleshippretension.com. Uh, this week I reviewed three movies. The name of those, those movies are called one is called God exists. Her name is Petrunia, Petrunia, Petrunia. It's a Macedonian film. Uh, quite good. Uh, I reviewed Werewolves Within, which Natalie, you and I saw it together. Yeah. And I reviewed False Positive. Um, those reviews are all available at battleshipretention.com. You can email me at david at com. Email Tyler at Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. Follow me on Twitter at DavyPretension. Follow Tyler at TylerPretension. Uh, Natalie, I know people, you don't want people to find you on the internet. No. Other than our podcast. Yeah. So do that. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was my here pleasure. Here in our, our apartment that we live in. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be here no matter what, but on mic. Yeah. Uh, thank you at home for listening. We'll catch you next time. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 